It's the internet, you're busy, so let's do this. Welcome to the Games Beat Decides podcast. This is the podcast where we decide everything in the world of games so you don't have to think about it yourself. I'm your host, Jeffrey Grubb. With me is Mike Minotti. I don't like the thing. Mike, do a better job. What? Never. <laughs> you're doing it to me. I was supposed to say something. Did I say something yeah, that you to... leave me hanging? You're supposed to take it you're back supposed... right away. You're supposed to introduce yourself in a really like cordial way, something that makes people like you instead of what you normally do. I'm Mike Minotti, and I'm your friend. <laughs> there you That's really good. Uh, we also have special guest, Bob Gardner. Gardner, go ahead and, uh, Bob, go ahead and introduce, introduce yourself. Hi, uh, I'm Bob. Uh, I'm a games dev evangelist at Intel. Uh, I'm the inexplicable English guy that lives in California. Uh, yeah, nice to be here. There's got to be an explanation. You say it's inexplicable, but I bet there's an explanation. Uh, not one that's interesting. <laughs> in today's episode, we're going to go over the week's He came here for our fantastic healthcare. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> yeah, there that's it is. Definitely that's the one. Exact, that's perfect, yes. Uh, we're, and then this week, we're going to go over the news. Uh, we're also going to preview Microsoft's showing at E3. Uh, first, though, I want to thank everyone for joining us. And I also want to thank our sponsor, Intel. Uh, we, we can't release these episodes without support from them, so we want to thank them. Uh, get more from me and Mike at GameSpeed.com. If you have something to share with us, email the podcast at games plus podcast at VentureBeat.com. That's the plus sign in there. Uh, if you're watching this on Facebook or YouTube, you can subscribe to the podcast, the audio version, on uh, Google Google Play, Stitcher. I'm th- Okay, I messed up because it says iTunes, and I keep forgetting iTunes isn't real. I need to change that to whatever it's called now. Um, I, don't, I don't think, think they it, uh, know what at, it's called. Yeah, so so iTunes. You know what? I'm just going to keep saying iTunes because people like still call it. When I open it, on my computer, like, it's still called iTunes, so I don't know. Yeah. And I still call it the like Sears Tower instead of whatever it's called now in Chicago. Uh, finally, if you like the show, rate us on iTunes. Uh, it helps people find it. Uh, so, guys, um, I, real quick, I want to talk a little bit more about Prey, if you guys don't mind. Oh, I might. No, no, you can knock yourself out. Yeah. All right. Well, if Bob thinks like, it's okay, then. <laughs> if Bob's all right with it, then we can do it, I guess. So uh, I, I put a few more hours into it. I still I, – I don't think I'm very far. Um, but I, I'm really – kind of digging the way that they that i'm digging the way that it is a, a compelling cohesive one environment like the, the 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 space station feels like it truly exists walking around inside of that place it's it's by far the best part of that game is the way that it feels really like like it exists like it is a place like it that doesn't, it doesn't have a lava level yeah exactly yeah <laughs> it, yeah, it and, feels and, like, and like a believable th- environment yeah, and the way you get around that environment is, you know, it, it, of course you're walking from one place to the other. Uh, but I, I really like the way that they did uh, almost like a fast travel system. And it's you just get the jetpack and you go outside the space station and you do a spacewalk to go, go from one airlock to the other. Uh, and it still takes a little bit of time. And there's a, there's a lot of inter- interesting stuff to do outside the space station, a, a lot of exploration to be done out there. Um, but as you get more powerful, you can handle like further deep dives into this exploration outside of the space station to get around more quickly. Uh, and I, I don't know. I really thought that was super smart. I, I'm still having a hard time, like really, really just diving into it. Cause like I explained last week, I'm a huge coward and it is very intense. It's very, uh, it's a lot, a lot of jump scares. Uh, the monsters still scare me, even though I know they're just little shadowy things. Um, but I'm trying to get over that cause it, it is very good. Um, again, like I said last week, Mike, have you put any time into, to any, into prayer? No, I haven't touched like... touch prayer at all. Cause I'm kind of on 
on my new game, which I don't know if you want me to jump into that right now or not, but I, I'm but, very much, except for like multiplayer games, like single player games like that, I take them one at a time. I'm usually not starting multiple things at once. Let's talk about like yours. Yeah, because you're, you're doing uh, near Automata. Um, let's talk about that a little bit. But um, yeah, next let's talk. Let's talk about Player Unknown's Battlegrounds because I think me and Bob have both been playing that. And Bob, I've talked about it a lot, but I, I, I'm kind of wondering what your thoughts are on the game and where you come from uh, in regards to something like this. So I don't play a lot of FPSs. Um, I'm just at that point in my life where I'm too old, uh, my mouse sensitivity is too high, and my reflexes <laughs> are shot. Um, but it's just a really compelling experience, right? Like, uh, from, from, from start to finish, like... It's just one of those games that, that makes me want to play more. It gets me back in the game quickly, and I can mm-hmm. just hide in a building and still somehow not suck. <laughs> yeah, isn't it insane how um, in, intense uh, and just heart-pounding it is to be waiting in a building and doing nothing oh. else? So the last game I played, um, I parachuted on the bottom of the map. There's the military base at the bottom of the map. And I've always been a bit wary about parachuting out of the plane there. Because I'm like, there's probably good equipment. There's going to be loads of dudes who are good at the game that all mm-hmm. jump in there and grab the equipment. And uh, definitely a valid fear. Because um, of course, I definitely needed to change my underwear after landing in a building, <laughs> picking up a bunch of gear, hearing a door open next to me and going, oh God, oh God, oh God. Went to turn around a corner, took a shotgun to the belly, instant game over. Yeah, of course, yeah. It, it, that's um, that's how I am too. I I freak out anytime I see anyone else, and I've I've started to get a little bit more confidence. Where if I do hear those footsteps, if I do see someone else, I know to like take a breath and actually aim my gun. Uh, but most of the time, still like to this like after I don't know thirty games or so, uh, I'm I'm mostly find myself coming around the corner, seeing someone freaking out and, and just waving the mouse around, hoping to blast them with something while they are perfectly aiming at my face and killing me instantly. Yeah. Um, but I, it is one of those games where I, I, I think most people are never, ever going to win. Most people that play this game, you know, it has 2 million players. Most, most people are not going to win that chicken dinner. Uh, however, it is very fun to still lose. Uh, I, I Like you just, you told a really good story. I think there's always a good story to be told from this game. Um you know, even when you do fail and fail spectacularly, because it's just like, like I, I was, uh, I had one where I was, um, I was doing really well. I got all my really great equipment. I had like a level three helmet and level three body armor uh, and the really good fast shooting shotgun. Uh, and I, I was ready to go into the fray, uh, but I got on my motorcycle and another guy on a motorcycle came up right next to me. And I'm like, okay, how, how am I going to resolve this situation? I don't know the best way to handle this. Uh, and because I was looking over at him and sort of freaking out about that, I did not see that there was a giant, basically, like, ramp in front of me, and I flew up in the air, flipped upside down, landed on the ground, uh, lost almost all my life, and the guy just shot me instantly and killed me. And I, I don't know. It was a, kind of a hilarious thing to experience and watch and see. Uh, and I, yeah, I, I always feel like I it can is, away with that from that game with the story. It is hilariously unforgiving, and that's why you, I think mm-hmm. you get these. So I have a standing Overwatch team with, like, five of my other friends, and I'm trying to now persuade them all... Yeah, I'm trying to persuade them all to buy. I'll, I'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, I'm trying to persuade them all to buy Player Unknown's Battlegrounds um, so we can play as a group. And um, I had a bunch of people over mine this weekend. We had a Eurovision party. If you're not, if you're an American, you've never seen Eurovision. 
gold. I watched for the first time this year. Yeah, it is. It is. If 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 the gun show like epitomizes the way the rest of the world views America, ideally hope Eurovision is what epitomizes <laughs> the way the rest of the world views Europe. Um, For people that don't know, real quick, Eurovision is like a, a huge song competition where each country gets one act, and uh, people like all of the, the the whole continent and Australia apparently all vote on who <laughs> should. Uh, <laughs> on who should win and you can't vote for your own country. So it's, it's it, like, there's, it seems like there's a lot of cool, like political uh, a- aspects to this. And it, it's kind of insane, but someone described it in a, the most perfect way. If you're trying to visualize it, it is like two to three hours of WrestleMania entrances uh, from each country. <laughs> in Europe. It is. I'm like, okay, is, that's perfect. Like, it, it is two dozen of the worst musical acts in the history of pop. <laughs> Just this is where ABBA came from. Like ABBA, like yeah, and uh, well, that's what I really appreciate. I, I like the really terrible acts; those are always my favorite. So uh, when people seem so to, when they seem to be taking it seriously, it was like I, this year, like the Portugal guy won, and he's like, "Oh, music should be for feelings." I'm like, "No, it should be oh. dumb, dumb WrestleMania entrances." I you see my votes. I wasn't sure whether it was um, like was it the big head rock band with the big Mechazord in the background? Like that was that was one option. Uh, option number two, the lady with the six arms. Uh, or option number yes, three, that was good. Horse on a ladder. Yes, the horse on a ladder. I, I, I think Azerbaijan or whatever that was. Them. Something I like, like that. Yeah. I like. I see. I like. Uh, I like my vanilla flavor where it's just the saxophone guy being a weird saxophone guy from Moldova or whatever Moldova. <laughs> so, so, like, so like, just give me a saxophone show. guy and I'll be all right. So for the entire show, we just referred to that guy as Wiggly Sax Guy. <laughs> exactly. and that was it yeah for like four hours um so but okay so you, to, but you to, had your crew watching eurovision and they this is your overwatch crew did you convince any of them to pick up uh, battlegrounds i did and what ended up convincing them is uh one of my friends played it um like my pcs in the living room mm-hmm. one of my friends played it after eurovision finished he was the last person to parachute out of the plane because i forgot to tell him how to do that he <laughs> landed and as he landed a jeep ran over him <laughs> and, and everyone in the team just broke down into fits of laughter and were yeah, just like yeah. sold yep yeah I, I got Mike to play and he's still I think he still would rather just go play Overwatch but I'm gonna yeah I like, well, I like Overwatch a lot and I still have a slight aversion to early access games and I'm just like I feel like in a year or two that game's gonna be done that. and like super fun and then I can maybe get into it more but right now it's neat Actually, that brings me like to a question I had about these kinds of games. Like you hear a lot of times when people are trying to describe this, and they try to gloss over the jank by saying it's really charming. Uh, And I feel that way. I feel that way about the game. Really? I, I, yeah, I I feel that something about it, something about it is charming. And I, I've heard people describe it that way a million times now. And I'm like, I'm kind of wondering what that is. Like you don't feel that way at all, Mike, right? No, I didn't get any charm out of it. And I mean, you know, like I I got, I understood what what it was doing. That was interesting, but I didn't think, oh, it's like adorable how the frame rate stutters and how the UI is kind of crappy. Yeah, no, it's not, it's not charming at all. It's, it's a good game and it will be a better game. You're right. It'll be a better game in a year's time. And I get what you mean with, with early access. Like I've been burnt by Kickstarter and early access. Um... But I think the call. To be game fair, I've been, I've been burned so by like full retail games as well. Well, like, yeah. but yeah, but I know, I know what you're saying. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know what it is. I, I, I think 
the the animations they do feel very much like they were purchased from the Unreal Store and stuff like that. And, and I, <laughs> That's what I mean, yeah. I, yeah, and it's I don't know. It's it does not bother you at all. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah, yeah it, it I, it's not that it just doesn't bother me. It's that there's something about it like really hit, like scratches like an it. itch I have. Yeah, I don't, I don't see. You're, yeah, you're, you're and I'm, I'm wondering weird Eastern European war zones. Yeah, yeah, it's the Eurovision of animations. Yeah. Um, okay, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's it's something I'm gonna I'm gonna have to think about and really examine about myself because maybe I'm broken in some way that I need to like, Look, really. No, people really obviously at. agree with you because this game's becoming a big hit. It's just you know because we all secretly me. want to play Hunger Games with machine guns. Right. Yes, for real. I mean, I think in my my deepest, darkest recesses of my heart, that's exactly what I've always wanted. Um, I, I, last one for me. Oh, actually, I've got, I got two more, but I'm gonna kind of lump them together. Minecraft Switch Edition and Creativeverse. Uh, I was really happy to see Minecraft on Switch. It works really well. It is Minecraft. I still really dig it, but uh, it's like the original early access game I can remember. Yeah, I mean, it's the one. Remember that when Minecraft was in like alpha and we were playing it? Like, oh, this might be a big thing. Yeah, in like 2009, Jeez. yeah, and it's like, oh, wow, this is like a, like a, this could really work, and then that whole business model is a thing that, like, millions of people remember try. Remember Dwarf Fortress, um, that it was, like, kind of a clone of? No one remembers Dwarf Fortress now. I, 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 I do remember, remember Dwarf, Dwarf Fortress and Drunk Cats. <laughs> I've always, I've no. never tried it, though. I've never had the guts to actually try to I figure out the ASCII graphics. Uh, Minecraft on Switch, though, it's a, it's interesting because it works really well with the with the split screen i kind of don't really have anyone to play that with split split screen so it doesn't really do too much for me exactly yeah i'm I'm out here alone in colorado there's no no, there's no one else in colorado jeff it Um, wouldn't wouldn't matter where you were no one would want to play with you (laughs) Uh, but (laughs) no he's he's right i don't let people in my home actually um but uh, i I also tried Creativeverse for the first time, though, which is a, basically a Minecraft clone. And, you know, there's a million, million of these. But I was really surprised at, like, how much of a difference uh, a smooth control system can make where when you're hopping around sort of doing fast strafe jumps almost with a mouse and keyboard, how that can really change the experience. And it just felt like a, a much more streamlined version of Minecraft, which is not what most people who play Minecraft want. They want the very specific thing that Minecraft is, and I understand right. that. But for me, as someone who's, you know, who's tried it a bunch of times now, gotten into it a couple of times in a really hardcore way, and is maybe beyond that, seeing that this genre can go some, somewhere else and, and be streamlined while still maintaining a lot of the aspects that I really like about it, uh, that was, it was kind of eye-opening. Uh, I'm not sure I'm going to go back and play a ton of creative verse, but I'm, like I said, I'm just kind of glad it exists. Um, but I mean, Bob, you, I mean, you said Minecraft, you've been playing that as well. Uh, like what, what's your kind of day to day Minecraft activity like? So I play Minecraft with my wife. Uh, in fact, as we are, uh, recording this, my wife is sat not 30 meters away on our private server. Um, wow. it was the gateway game that got her into gaming. Um, so it has that going for it. Um, but I like mine. I, I specifically like original Java Minecraft with a bunch of mods because the thing I like about Minecraft is that you can kind of make it your own game mm-hmm. and not just in the constructing the world that you want sense, right? Like if you were to play on our server, our Minecraft looks like the love child of Minecraft 1.7.10 and Factorio. So it's just oh, wow. pipes everywhere and machines and computers and just 
crazy automated services running all around us and like teleporting and other madness um and that that's the minecraft that we play um and i have a great love for the original minecraft because of the freedom it gives you to make your own game the I ultimate, mean, so ultimate a, modded game in my opinion yeah so, so someone that, that really likes the modded version how do you feel about the uh, the sort of push towards the windows windows 10 version uh where microsoft seems to be wanting to not, i don't know not necessarily close it off but they definitely see an, an opportunity to um you know have the community build stuff and sell stuff to one another and turn that into a viable business model which i think is a great idea but i know that there are a lot of people out there like you that really like modding the original java version i i like that they still support the game which mm-hmm. you know so, some people wouldn't um i like that the creators have the opportunity to to make a living from that from their creations i think that's one of the reasons team fortress 2 is so so successful one of the reasons that so many modded games are so successful is when people can make money doing something to the benefit of everybody else right but i really wish they would write a good modding api like if they wrote their own modding api for the windows 10 version mm-hmm. i think that and then officially supported it like i I think that would be a really big deal and i think it would probably get quite yeah. a lot of uptake I, I might be wrong i'm probably gonna get a bunch of hate mail from a bunch of Minecraft mod devs. I'm dearly sorry. I love all the work you do. Um, but I think an official official mod API would be amazing. But until there is that, I mean, I'm never going to move on to it. Yeah, I, I don't think you're alone in that in that feeling. Um, I, I, you have one more game on your list. Do you want to talk about it before we move on to the news? Uh, I mean, Overwatch, which I've already mentioned. Uh, I also mentioned... Um, so I spent a bunch of the weekend when I wasn't watching Eurovision, watching Pro Tour Amonkhet. Um, okay, so is this so, a game or what? I'm, I'm, I, I, I recognize two of those so, words, but just uh, in other context. So, um, when we first chatted about this, you told me about gaming. Uh, and mm-hmm. I maybe took this to a slightly greater degree and thought beyond just video games. Uh, I mentioned earlier on that I used to be kind of semi-pro Magic the Gathering player. Right. Um, pro Tour Amonkhet was the pro tour, like literally the professional tournament tour, uh, that was on for Magic the Gathering the weekend just gone. And it was brilliant. And so, okay. Okay. Yeah. So, like, what makes a good Magic the Gathering tour, like, or an event to watch, like, uh, you know, like uh, any other esports event or, you know, a competitive event, it, like competitive chess or whatever? It's much longer, which I think is a benefit. Some people don't. Um, and it's like each right, match so is longer, you, or like the entire competition is longer. So both, right? So Pro Tour okay. Amonkhet was three days. It was about twelve hours a day, and then it's multiple. It's like ten or ten to twelve rounds a day, and each round is about an hour. Um, it reminds me. Uh, so I used to be more into esports than I am now, and the reason was because I was really into the StarCraft Two tournaments. And one of the reasons is because I felt like the StarCraft II pace made for uh, a more interesting match, like that 45 minutes slightly slower, 
rewarded the audience because you could track what was going on and follow the strategy and the tactics, right? And it's mm -hmm. kind of the same thing. Like you, you, you'll start to recognize the half a dozen or so uh, decks that turn up, and you'll be able to spot what like the the key players are, and well, like any spot, right? You you learn to understand it, and because it's moving at that slightly slower pace, I feel like it rewards you more as a viewer. Um, so I tend to like longer games, slightly slower, longer events. And it was great. Like, loads of it, great decks, some real personalities on camera. Um, there, there was a couple of technical find yourself like rooting? Did you have to find yourself like rooting for one person in particular, like the underdog or something like that? Or could you just get the enjoyment out of every match just based on the quality of the play? So the answer is kind of both, right? Like I've been playing Magic mm -hmm. so long that I just really love the game. Um, I have the somewhat controversial opinion that I believe it is the best game, non-video game ever created. Period, which is controversial. All those chess <laughs> fans out there getting upset. Yeah, um, exactly. So I can watch the game and just enjoy the play. But recently, they uh, they made a change following on from some other esports where they've tried to create more team drama. So there is more teams represented and stuff. And uh, absolutely, um, I followed Team Channel Fireball Ice. They didn't do very well, sadly. I wish they'd done better. Um, and my favorite player, even though he wasn't on Team Channel Fireball Ice, ended up winning the tournament, which is a guy called Jerry Thompson, who is an amazing Magic Pro. Really deserved the win. Huh. I... Was there, I, this might just mean, be me mixing up a bunch of headlines, but was there like a really young competitor at Magic the Gathering this weekend or something like that? Because I feel like there was some like really young math prodigy that competed in either this or maybe it was a Hearth, Hearthstone tournament um, that was getting a lot of attention. I, I don't remember being mentioned on the the, okay. the Magic Proto. Fair enough. Uh, well, do you still try to go out, like last question before we move on the news, do you still like try to go out and play Magic the Gathering competitively on any level uh even like a casually competitive level where you like go to like a local comic book store and play in the back room for three hours back, throw yourself back into for fun right with all the I, evolving formats and new cards yeah I, I i live spitting distance from channel fireballs game center so ah. absolutely i still play i don't play anywhere That's near really the level cool. that i used to but i do still play uh, okay Again, I, I I like, I, another Another question. Do you listen to like 15 different Magic the Gathering podcasts? Because I know that's a very popular genre that a lot of people listen to. You know, actually, I listen to absolutely none. I listen very occasionally oh, wow, okay. to uh, limited resources. Very occasionally. <laughs> what I do have is uh, a very long list of YouTube subscriptions. Okay, yeah. So basically... That, that's how I am with Hearthstone. I, I don't listen to any of the podcasts, but I watch people play on YouTube. Like every night. Yeah, six of yeah. one, half dozen of the other, yeah. Okay, well, Magic is one of those things where I, I definitely played for a long time ago when I, when I was in a like summer camp in Boy Scouts, and I, I was like, oh, I got to... From Pokemon cards. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I got to channel my money somewhere better than this because I'll lose it all here. Um, and then I did the same thing with Hearthstone like several years later. But okay, guys, so it's probably time that we move on to the news. Uh, oh, okay. First thing... I yeah, like we're it. just going to... We're going to jump right into it. Uh, I, want, I want everyone to know that we have our list of games we want to talk about. I have my one lonely game on here. 
Oh, uh, my I did. I totally Tom. forgot about. Uh, oh my god. Yeah. No. I totally no. Forgot we're about going you. on now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, I, you not. guys have no. like five things listed. I got one. Just like, all right. Well, everybody <laughs> said what they have to say. No, I'll talk about it next week. Now you don't get to hear about I it. Forgot, I, I forgot you were even on the podcast, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, oh my god. Okay. No, Mike. 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 I want to hear about what? near automata. I want you to tell me about near automata. Do you really? I really, really do, Mike. Please. <laughs> All right. Okay. That, that's a yeah. that's a card in Magic: The Gathering, right? Near Automata. That's yeah. You want to talk about right? Exactly. It's got uh, some sick oh. flavor text. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah. So this is the uh, the new Platinum Games uh, game, and it's I, I went into this with almost no idea what it would be, except that it's an action game by Platinum Games, and it's like a sequel to a bunch of games that I haven't played. And I think a lot of people haven't played, right? So. Like the first Nier was like this game that came out a few years ago. Like no one played Nier, right? I know yeah. some people played it and got no. I I didn't play it. I heard about the fishy mini game and I was like, I'm gonna stay away from that. And actually, that's actually not true. I wasn't gonna play it no matter what. But I know a lot of people got super mad because it got a couple of bad reviews that where people like really hated the fishy mini game. And everyone got mad at the people who, who reviewed it and said that because they're like, no one's ever gonna play this now. And I think that. Eh, I think there were bigger issues against that game, uh, like the fact that it's it, not the super interesting version of like a, a platinum game, right? And then even, and then uh, freaking uh, near itself was a spinoff of the Dragon Guard games, which uh, never touched. I barely those. heard of. I, I think I remember yeah. seeing like the cover that. art for him, but beyond that. I, I didn't know that. I never played Nier. I still haven't played Nier Automata, but I have played Dragon Guard. So interesting. There you go. Oh wow! Aging myself. All right slightly. then. Yeah, well, yeah, it's, it's and it's like it's wacky when you try to like see how the games are related. Like they all take place in like different dimensions after like different endings and and like separated by thousands of years. So it doesn't really matter. Like you start near Automata, it's it's it, it's practically a new IP. Um, so it's the same like director that guy that wore that that wore that like moon mask. You've probably seen him. And yeah, the yep, difference is this one's by. Yeah, this one's Platinum Games, and that's kind of like the what I think got people excited about it because they're known for making really good action games. Um, we've been excited because Bayonetta just came to Steam um, and stuff like that. So, like the last big thing I played is Persona Five. Like, okay, yeah, I can use like something just kind of fast paced now. And I, I was kind of surprised that it near like this isn't the kind of Platinum Games trademark game, right? Where you think it's really over the top, kind of jokey, uh, not taking itself very seriously, right? Like, this game's taking itself very seriously. Uh, but it doesn't, it, it doesn't it, do it in a way that's, like, like downcast and, like, trodden, right? It's not, like, some gloomy taking itself seriously. It's, it, uh, it has a, no, it's a point. A po- but not, like, Batman versus Superman. Like, it's not, like, you're not going to come out and be like, man, why, like, that wasn't fun at all. Like, it's... Well, it's it, gloomy it, in a well-done way. I mean, yeah, right. there's characters that you like and attach to. I mean, yeah, there's and there are there are some humorous things still. Sure, it's likable, but it is a gloomy kind of like the the basic plot is that humans were driven away from Earth by aliens who built all these robots. So the humans went to the moon and built their own robots, and now they sent them down to fight the aliens and their robots. And you're like one of the androids that the humans built. So it's like you and this, these Android armies fighting these other robots and, you know, and interesting things happen, but yeah. So in like the basic could conceit of the game, like gameplay wise, I guess the original near was maybe like this too. It's kind of like a shmup meets an action game and not just like, in that literally there are shmup levels and there are action game levels. And there are a couple of shmup levels, but by shmup, I mean like, you know, the spaceship shoot 'em up thing. Shoot 'em up. Like, all right. Yeah. Yeah. 
at. Uh, like, even when you're just, like, doing combos and, like, your regular action, you have, like, this gun with you the entire time, and you can aim it and lock onto things and hold down the one button to constantly shoot at things while you're also, like, parrying and attacking and stuff like that. And, like, sometimes the camera will go above you, and it's, like, almost like a twin-stick shooter for a little bit, and the enemies are shooting out these bullets, and it's, like, a bullet hell kind of thing. Uh, yeah, it's just really interesting how it's kind of crossing some of these genres, and still at the base, very much like an, uh, an action role-playing game with all, like, the leveling up and the, the stuff. And it's an open-world game, too. There's all these side quests and everything. So, yeah, it's just really interesting, the kind of... This take on an action game where you're in introducing these other elements. The setting is really neat. The writing seems really good. I'm just... I'm really digging into it right now. Um, I, I, I honestly had, like, no idea that it was a... a a shmup until you really described it to me. Um, right. And it's like, it's not a really shmup. surprising. It's like, yeah, it has like those elements of it in this really interesting way. It, like it's definitely, you would definitely recognize it more like something like a Bayonetta than like a Ikaruga, but it's right. But it's in the game there where, where you feel the shmup. Okay. Um, have you beaten it at all? Beaten it like at all? Mm -hmm. Like I understand beating it the first time is just the basic, like you're only scratching the surface and you really need to play through it five times i guess and, and it's very yeah there's one of those times. i know there's multiple endings no right now i'm making a pretty big deal about doing as many side missions and stuff as possible but uh yeah and i guess that is one thing that the the whole series does have in common is these kind of multiple endings where it's not like oh there's the best ending or what have you or the true ending but all this stuff but so it's just question. it's scratching a good itch right now it's just fun it's it's fun it's like not like it's not super fast-paced, right? Like, it's not a Bayonetta or what have you. It's a little bit more thoughtful than I was expecting, but it's nice. Asking the question on everybody's lips, though. Is there a fishing minigame? There is actually a fishing minigame. I was kind of laughing. There's also maybe one of the uh, cruder uh, achievements I've ever seen in a game. Where, uh, and I did not see this on my own. It involves her involved looking at her butt. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. of course, yeah. Yeah, you look at her butt, and she'll eventually like move away in disgust, like she knows what you're doing. You do it enough times, you get a trophy for it. So there's yeah, that. that. That old. I remember there being something like that yeah. in the original Metal Gear Solid as well. Oh yeah, there's something like something like that. In come a long way for. Yeah. <sighs> oh no, I know what yep. you're talking about. Yeah, you would look at Meryl's butt, and she would yell at you. Wow, Metal Gear Solid, man, yep. that was doing some stuff back then in 1998. It's intense. Oh god, that I was really 1998. We're still doing it in 2017. Yeah. Metal Gear Solid 1 was 1998. Oh my god, I feel old. Yeah, yeah right? Yeah, we're, um, that's, we're all plunging towards 20-year anniversary. Well, you know, you have to put it that way. Well, I, I am going to put it that way, because it's horrifying when you just say it like that. 19 years old. Um, yes, okay. Well, Mike, do you, have you gotten it out of your system? Have you have you I'm told us now. about it? Yeah, you? If you're done forgetting about me... Yeah, here's crazy. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying I like it a lot. You should you should play it, Jeff. You'll like it, baby. I, I, I yeah, I I trust you. I'm I'm I think it's going to be my next one after I get through with Prey. Uh, it's but kind I am of Horizon. This part out of the pod. It is okay. Well, I need to finish Horizon first too because I got. What way are you too cutting out of the podcast? Way. Our whole near conversation, just because I I don't like. <laughs> that, so. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move on to the news. Uh, let's actually we could jump right in. This is a, a segue, and it, you, you know it's always a good segue when you point out the fact that it's a segue. Uh, Vanquish got announced finally for the PC. Hey. Uh, another another Platinum Games classic. Uh, I this is a game I really liked on Xbox 360, PlayStation 3 era. I think it came out for both. Uh, you know, lots of sliding around, shooting, cover shooting. Uh, it was 
the, the Japanese Platinum Games take on that genre. And it was super stylish and cool. Not a, not a very long game, but I really enjoyed what, what was there. And I cannot wait to play it in 4K on my PC. Like, I'm super duper yeah. looking forward to that. I missed this one when it came out. And I'm this is almost kind of what I was expecting Nier to be more like. Like, that's really in-your-face, fast-paced thing. Right. And not that I'm upset Nier isn't that, but there is. I still kind of have that edge. I'm like, oh, I'll play Vanquish. That will be fun. I feel a lot less bad now. Yeah. I was literally about to say, you know, I never played it. But then you beat me to the punch, and I feel less bad. Um, I, yeah. <laughs> well, now's your chance to play it. Like, that's the whole point. I like, Sega's like, hey, we have these games... This. Right, yeah. yeah. I, I, I watched the uh, the trailer um, like over the weekend, and game looks really cool. I'm definitely like definitely going game. to play it. No, it doesn't. It looks. I wouldn't be surprised if it came out brand new like this month. Right. You could you could get away. I think you could get away with releasing this game as is. Maybe with the you know the few updates they're going to do to make sure it supports modern modern aspects aspect ratios and 4K and everything like that. Uh, but yeah, other than that, like the content, I think is still super edgy, super cool. Uh, you know, sci-fi action that people still don't do a ton of. Uh, yeah, it doesn't feel out of place coming out in 2017 at, at all. Um, Moving on, Square Enix withdraws from IO Interactive, negotiating with potential investors. Essentially, uh, the the developer that makes Hitman, IO Interactive, uh, made one of the best games last year, at least in my opinion. I really love Hitman Hitman. 2016. I love Hitman. It was a special game. Yeah, uh, and Square Enix is basically saying, "Hey, we're going to sell this developer. Uh, Anyone, any buyers?" Um, I. It's kind of tragic in a way, uh, for sure, because the, the, I think the developer deserved a lot better than than what it's getting. That game was special. Maybe it it didn't sell. I think that I think that that was by, a byproduct of the experiment of going episodic and going the live gaming route. Do you think, that, do you think maybe service. they didn't do a good enough job promoting that game, letting people know? Like, because I, I heard from a lot of people that that game is special. I feel like one of the people I didn't hear it from was Square Enix. <laughs> I mean, the, yeah, there's you, also another question, not... though. Right, the, the, there is another question, which is just the cost of developing a game versus the size of the audience. Right, like, oh yeah, Hitman isn't a game for everyone, but it is no cheap. It was no cheaper to make than any other AAA title, and those titles are bigger than mo- a lot of these titles are bigger than movies. Right, like one goes wrong, mm-hmm. and you could take an entire studio down, and. and- it does feel like that's not necessarily what isn't happening here. Like, it feels like a, a, a very possible scenario where uh, the game still cost a lot of money to make, even though they were doing this uh, this uh, this new method of releasing everything a little bit of, at a time and having these bigger episodes. Uh, but it still seemed like a lot of money went into producing a lot of content up front. And, you know, I, I go on Steam and I look around and it doesn't look like, like I'll see some games like, oh, 17 people own this game. Uh, and I'm on my friends list. I think only three or four people own uh, Hitman. Uh, you know, it was, it was still, I'm sure it sold a little bit better on the consoles, but still, I think that's kind of a, a, a pretty good barometer for how that game might have performed. And yeah, I, I just think you're right. I, th- I think you're right, Mike, in that Square Enix wasn't quite sure how to how to push this game out. They they knew they were going to do this experiment with the episodic stuff, and maybe they maybe played it a little too conservatively with like saying, let's just see how it goes, instead of having a lot of confidence in what that developer was doing. Which you know, I mean, yeah, it's kind of hard to maybe put a lot of money into marketing when you don't when you don't know how it's going to turn out. Um, yeah, no one, no one knew some, Hitman some, was going to be special before it came out. Well, and sometimes things just don't work out. Especially with a series like Hitman, somebody like me, like I just never played Hitman. I'm not interested in it. And 
you know, it, it was kind of hard for me to hear, oh, no, this one is the good one. You need to get into that. It's sometimes hard to make that jump, right? When you have these really mm -hmm. established franchises to bring in new people like that. So sometimes there's just, you know, in inherent challenges. And honestly, it is a shame because it probably, I think it stands behind only Overwatch in terms of the game I enjoyed the most in the last year. Yeah, I, loved I, I think it. I was right there with you. It. I was right there with you where Overwatch was right there at the top of my list. I like Titanfall 2 was my uh, game of the year last year, but I, I, I was ha like, I was really having a hard time, like, like trying to figure out where to put Hitman because there were times where I had more fun with Hitman than any other game, and it was specifically the way that they did, they made that, they made this version of of the same idea that they've been doing for a while. Um, and in the end, you know, I was, I was like, yeah, it's probably going to be like number three or four. I, I think I put it right behind Doom. Um, but yeah, it Uncharted was a, like, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I'm not a big Uncharted guy, but it was, you know, I don't know. It's just a game where it's immensely watchable, like watch going on YouTube and Twitch and watching people play it, uh, kind of thinking through all the ways you're going to take at these challenges and really, and really the live gaming like as a service, and I wrote this article on Friday, I, I posted it, where this is the future of games. Games are going to be made, not necessarily episodic. It's going to be new content every week to get people coming back over and over uh, to stay engaged for long periods of time because that's how you maximize the value of, of getting someone to buy a game. Like you, Games should what, cost way more than here, $60 at this point. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, do you think that it would have just been better if, like, there was a Hitman game that was those first three episodes or something, and then, like, they just kind of released the rest as quote-unquote DLC? I, I, not necessarily. I don't think it would have been better for me. Um, me I mean, would have performed sure. better? I don't know. I, 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 I just think, I think there, the, it worked because you were getting one episode at a time. You were exploring the hell out of just that Paris level over and over, playing it over and over, uh, and you... Once you got a really good hang of the basic, sort of forgiving main missions and some of the challenges, you would get a, an elusive target to go and and really challenge you and say, "Hey, if you screw up this time, you that's it, you failed and you can't try again." And it flips everything on its head. It's like, okay, so all that stuff that I learned by doing the basic missions, where I was, you know, kind of goofing around and safe scumming and you know loading up after messing up really badly. Uh, I've learned a lot of stuff now about this level, and now I could put that all to, all to use in this really high stakes version of the same idea. Um, it was, it, yeah, it worked better than it had maybe any right to. It was kind of such a such a successful experiment that, yeah, it's a bummer that it's not gonna kind of live on at least under Square Enix. But we'll see. They're looking for someone to sell it to. We'll see how that works out. Cross our fingers. Okay, uh, Nintendo. Yeah, exactly. yeah, Nintendo. Uh, yes. <laughs> Nintendo's E3 2017 presentation to happen on June 13th at 9 a.m. Um, they kind of basically said what they're gonna what they're gonna focus on was Mario, in the same way that they focused focused on Zelda last year. Like that's what I kind of got from this. Well, kind of, but they're uh, not like they're not making the big deal they did last year. They're like it's only Zelda, right? Right. It's not to the absolute things. exclusion of everything else. Yes, I think you're right, but. To me, what I'm really hoping for is that they do with their booth like they did with Zelda last year and turn it into a giant like Super Mario Odyssey like I mean, world. I, I, uh, man, I would love that because that that Zelda booth was fantastic. It was that really is, cool. Like, kind of stuff that's just that's the kind of stuff where it's like, yeah, E3 still great. The heck with you, Hayden. Yeah. Hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, I I felt the same way, but um, I, I am glad that they're like no, like Mario's 
uh, out front. Like that gives me a lot of confidence that the game's not going to get delayed, um, which I, I no, still wasn't percent on. Yeah, it really it can't be. And I think it, I think at this point, it really it doesn't feel like it's going to be. But I mean, beyond that, like, yeah, they'll probably they'll probably have more stuff in their booth than just Mario, which is uh, another good sign. Um, but not much else to say on that. E three is coming up fast, though. Uh, right, like um, a month away. Like it's uh, almost exactly a month away. We're gonna be we're gonna be there in a month. Yeah. Okay. That is that is. Most people have never. Um, yeah, I know, right? I'm sorry. I don't mean to scare you. <laughs> I, I want you to be able to sleep tonight, Bob. I'm sorry. Um, okay. Most people have never heard of PS4 Pro or Project Scorpio, uh, and most non gamers have have most most non gamers have not heard of the Switch. I'm sorry, I wrote that. How, how can I not? How have they not heard of a memorable, catchy name like Project Scorpio? Yeah, I know, right? Uh, uh, okay. How is anyone surprised by this? Uh-huh. I don't know. I, I'm I'm kind of right there with you. I, like, it's not just that these are a subset of existing hardware where like, okay, PS4 pro, I'm sure a lot of people heard PS4. They haven't heard PS4 pro. That's not surprising. Uh, especially if, especially for like non gamers, not hearing a switch. Like they, these people aren't really buying consoles anymore. They've, they're buying their iPads and that's all they need. And they're not going to, they're probably not going to jump on the console bandwagon, uh, in any way like they have in the past with like Xbox 360 getting really cheap on the, on its back, on the back end of that console's life cycle. We're like, okay, maybe we'll consider that. And especially like earlier versions where, you know, when the PS2 got to a certain point, everyone was buying one of those because people were wanted a way to play games. Now, you know, they're just, they're getting their iPads and they don't have to pay attention to the next version of the Xbox one or the next version of the PS4 pro, or even the, uh, the Nintendo switch. Like, I, I think just, the, uh, the, the elephant in the room, else. I think the elephant in the room is, the the Wii to Wii U transition. Um, mm-hmm. ev- everyone owned a Wii, right? Like, just everyone. Like, my my, my dad owned a Wii, right? My, my dad was mm-hmm. 65 with a Wii. Um, and I feel like a lot of people got burnt by the Wii. Yeah. And it wasn't everything it was cracked up to be. And then when the Wii U came out... That was exasperated, and and I feel like the non the non gamers. Not that I think there's a lot of those anymore. Um, don't care anymore. Yeah, I, I don't know. See, I feel like you guys are reading a bit too much into this for a kind of a doom and gloom take. I think it's it's, it's not, kind of usual for most people to not know about game systems that are like first off like these weird iterative things are not even out or whatever just like the new thing happens to be right like yeah. people yeah I not just, everyone's gonna know what a switch is i it's not doom and gloom it's just the like recognizing the reality that there are there's a really hardcore audience of gamers that is is huge like look at how well the playstation 4 is selling uh, i i just like it's it's more isolated uh than it ever has been where there's not a lot of people who you, you know if you want to buy a PS4, and there's not a lot of people who are like, oh, maybe I'll get one eventually. I think most people who want a console have gone, gone, out, and buy, uh, gone, gone out and bought one, and if they haven't yet, it's just because they, they don't really have interest in playing those kinds of games. And it, it's not like a, a console thing, uh, consoles are dying, because the Switch just came out, and I think 
based on its trajectory so far, it's going to be very similar to the PS4 in terms of sales. Uh, so I, I think we could kind of expect that this this core audience of people who play games and buy games uh, is going to be about this size for a long time, and they're going to spend about this amount of money for a long time, and that's going to support a lot of good games. It's just it's just that casual audience that was jumping in on the last half of some previous consoles when the, like a system would get down to ninety nine ninety nine. Uh, they're just not going to spend that money anymore. They're just going to stick with their iPads, and, th- and that's fine. I think that's totally that's fine. I think that's why playing games. you have people like Nintendo feeling okay about chasing them on a platform like right. mobile because they recognize that these people are going to get a Switch, and it's kind of a waste of time to, like, if, if you want to get these people to get by a Switch, that takes a lot of investment and then potentially alienates your core audience anyway. So, sure. That's right. All right, Alan Wake to be removed from digital stores due to expired music licenses. Uh, that's happening today. It might have already happened at any moment. Alan Wake's just going to disappear from uh, every digital store on which it is because uh, the, the, the publishers only got the rights for the, the songs that are in it for so long. And I, I now I'm looking. I'm I mean, looking at my library to see if I own Alan Wake or not. I, 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 it's I, worth I, noting. Was, sorry. No, I was, please you go go ahead. Um, it's worth noting. The, uh, I looked this up because uh, I do own Alan Wake, um, and if you own it, you won't lose it. You just won't be able to buy no, it anymore. No, that's right. That's right. Yeah, which they I can't, think they're is, not going to revoke licenses good. from people who own it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that that would be uh, a way bigger story than what it already is. Yes. Um, if people, yeah, if you like, suddenly it was disappearing from your digital library, that would be nuts. So what this means is that is that you know they just can't sell the game anymore. Um, all the physical versions that have already been printed can be sold, resold, whatever. That's going to be fine. Um, it's just it's not going to be on Steam anymore. It's not going to be on. I mean, uh, this, Xbox this is the byproduct of kind of Alan Wake being made and releasing this kind of pre-digital forever store era, right? Where they didn't really think about what's going to happen in like eight or ten years when our digital license music goes up, right? Like who cares right. back then? Right. Yeah. I think yeah that that that's the best explanation because um. So like you look at the best selling games on Steam last year, twenty the best selling games on Steam in twenty sixteen all came out in twenty fifteen or earlier. Uh, so clearly there's like people willing to buy catalog games as they're called, and they just I just yeah I think you're right like that Alan Wake was made in a time when people didn't really think that was a thing like uh, I I remember the uh, the guy that does the GameFly the guy that runs GameFly was like oh yeah it's a lot harder than Netflix because. You know, an, an old movie's great forever, and people are always going to want to rent old movies, but that's not the same thing with games. And it's like, okay, but that's changing in a big way. And it, I think it's because of digital and the way digital works. Um, and, yeah, Ellen Wake is just a, a byproduct of a time where they didn't necessarily realize that. And, no, no, you know, none of us did. Mm-hmm. This, this is interesting because it's at least the first, that, first time that this has happened, right? Or at least the first time I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. I'm... I feel like there's. I, 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 I feel like actually something happened with like. I feel like there's a Marvel versus Capcom two music licensing like this that happened. I, I remember something like this happened with something weird before. Yeah, Activision pulled like Deadpool for a while and then brought it back. I, I think you're right, there, but those might be like the character licenses or something. Yeah. So uh, so so the reason sure it's, the reason I mention it is just because uh, a lot of the kind of anti-Steam, anti-iTunes kind of conversations that you see are, well, what happens in 30 years' time when the service dies and I can no longer access my digital library, right? And right. There's, there's that. Another question, which is, what happens if the 
the company pulls the game from the from Steam, for example, and and certainly this is the first that I'm aware of of that really happening. It probably has happened before, and I just don't remember it. Um, so I, I think it's heartening to see that even though we won't be able to buy the game anymore, we aren't losing access to it. Right. I, I, like, I wonder, does that mean like you, you will straight up be able to download the game like forever? Sure. Like, do, do they say that? I don't know. You know what this reminds me of is uh, like for wrestling, sometimes they'll license music for like WrestleMania or whatever, like Triple H will right. come out to like Master of the Puppet or something. And then when you're like watching a WWE network, he's coming out with some generic rock song instead. Like, yeah. You want know, to just patch Alan Wakes and put some generic music in there right now? You know, yeah, that's I w- the only I- thing. How, what could be easier to do out of everything? Yeah, I wonder. If, I wonder if there's some like very intrinsic reason to the way that like this game was made that keeps them from doing. Yeah, that. I've never actually played. Make it, make it make it too expensive. Shame game for me, yeah. so I don't know why this music is in there. Because even when I read, is it, I'm is like, it, why is this? Why is this music even in Alan Wake? Yeah, is it in your library? Like you, you said, uh, it's not it. actually. But I also still, I'm not, I don't know if I'm gonna buy it for what, twenty bucks right now. Like. When am I gonna play? I know it was, but it was on sale for like three bucks over the weekend. I like really regret not buying it, but I think I own it for the Xbox 360 eh, somewhere. So I, you know, I, I find it hard to believe that we are never going to be able to buy on Wake again. I do not. Well, that. Yeah. on your deathbed, I'm gonna check and see. We're gonna see uh, if you play on. Let me put it this way: I find it very hard to believe I'm not gonna be able to play on Wake again. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <sighs> okay, last story: Assassin's Creed Origins has been leaked. Uh, this game, uh, we've heard a lot about this game for a while. Where it was, uh, it's set in Egypt. Uh, it's gonna have, it's gonna like focus on like smaller sections, like storytelling sections, I guess. Uh, I'm sure we're gonna hear about this game at E3. But what I want to talk about is. How in the hell has there not been an Assassin's Creed Origins before this? Like, I, I, that seems like that they, they you could have told ar- me that was the name of an Assassin's Creed already. I would have believed you. Yeah, I, I would have. Like, you could have said like, "Oh, I just got done playing Assassin's Creed from Origins from a couple years ago," and I, I, I would not have missed a beat. I would have been like, "Yeah, that's a sentence." Like, totally. Of course you have. Of course you were just playing that game. Um, so maybe I, maybe I, it's because I work with the the like maybe it's because I work with Ubisoft. Um, but I actually thought this had come out like a year or a year and a half ago. Like the, the last the one details. was Syndicate. The last okay, one was yeah. The English yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the Syndicate and Unity, like Unity, I think it's the one before that. Like, you kind of yeah, start was, mixing those words together, and Origins sounds about right. Yeah. Then there's that um, one year where two came out, uh, and it was confusing. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it was uh, one of those. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It why, just seems like. Why did this series need to take a break? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I, it, okay, but there, there. How many other games have had the Origins name? I'm trying to think. Like, what is the best game that has the subtitle Origins in it? It's like, uh, oh, there's a lot. Uh, there's that. De- isn't there yeah. a Dead or Alive Origins? Did I make that up? That sounds right. Well, let's like, search uh, for Origins in the Steam Store. Dragon Age Origins. That's a big one. Batman Arkham that, Origins. Oh yeah. Yes, Arkham Origins. That's the one I'm thinking of. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Dragon Age is probably the best one of those. I, I, and that I don't actually is not Origins. I don't know about the best Origins game. I know what the best Assassin's Creed game is. Which well, one? I have an opinion on this. Go Brotherhood ahead. Brotherhood or 4? It always comes down to Brotherhood or 4. <laughs> well, uh, keep, not, not, he's going to say 2, probably. Um, I want to hear it. You, uh, Shadows of Mordor. <laughs> <laughs> he might not be wrong. He might not be wrong. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I really like Shadows of Mordor. I, I still might like Brotherhood a little bit more, but I don't know. I, I'll tell you what, I'm looking Shadows more forward to Shadows of Mordor 2 than Assassin's Creed 9. Yeah, but, yeah, you know. same here. I said that as a joke, but that actually might be right. That might be the right number. <laughs> I'm curious. I, I don't I don't actually I think you might be right like it's at least it's at least eight but yeah I mean I, I still like I like that a lot of the Assassin's Creed games four was really good like you said and uh, I don't know a couple of them like there were the the, the the second one Rogue that came out that the year where there was two of them that was good as well uh, which but was no, the Brotherhood oh my god this is li- this is literally nine if we that was count Rogue. oh my god okay <laughs> so yeah Rogue. this is nine you Unity was the multiplayer one. That's the one that got a lot of flack for not being good, although I really liked it. Um, although yeah, I, I remember really liking that. Yeah, everyone, got, like, everyone like, really hated it, though. Yeah. I, I remember thinking... I, I distinctly remember when it came out, my thoughts were that it was literally... They had taken the core of what I liked about the first Assassin's Creed game and just turned it into a multiplayer game. Yeah. Just leaping off rooftops and murdering random strangers. Like, sure. See, I... I didn't check that one out, one, because I was scared by all the negative stuff, and two, like, French Revolution has just always creeped me out in some weird way that I don't want to, like, experience in a video video game way. <laughs> I'm like, oh, the American Revolution, that's fun. Or like, oh, wow, I'm in Rome. It's the Renaissance. And then I'm like, oh, yeah. uh, the, the, the citizenry has risen up and executed everybody. <laughs> some yeah, people are scared of You do actually spiders. get that discomfort. <laughs> Some people have spiders, other people have French Revolution. <laughs> I mean, you just never know. You're going to come around a corner and there's going to be a French Revolution happening right there. It's just just, was, just carrying a guillotine. When I was in yeah. France last year, I was in Paris was taking a tour. It's like every corner, like, and this is a place where they set up a guillotine and they murdered like 500 people every two minutes because it was super efficient. I was like, golly gee. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> uh, all right. I think we're all done with the news. Um, I think we're going to go ahead and say goodbye to Bob now. Bob, actually, before we do that, though, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on the Internet? And if there's anything you want to plug, I don't know if that's the case. But if you have something like that, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you? Um, so so the best place to find me is on Twitter. Uh, I'm Big Bob Gardner. Um, if you ever meet me in person, that name will become very apparent. Um, <laughs> add me, follow me. Whatever, tweet me, DM me. We can chat, talk games. I will gladly talk to any anyone that that is listening. Well, Bob, it was a real pleasure having you on. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about Microsoft's present presence at E3, uh, and I think before that, we're going to do a quick break. But yeah, once again, Bob, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, that's great. Can I go pee now? Yeah, you can go pee. We're going to take a break. Well, look at the list of. Um, I ruined the intro, didn't I? Yeah, you ruined you ruined everything, Mike. But you know what you oh, don't have to ruin, Mike. What do I? No? Yes, Jeff. Do you know what you don't have to ruin? <laughs> this <laughs> making, ad making. Yeah, this ad and making <laughs> video games. Now you've already done the the former. Now you want help not doing the latter? I'll try. If okay, in that case, all you have to do is contact Intel at software.intel.com slash gamedev, and they can help you help yourself. Mike, they can help you from yourself, because clearly this is just a whole mess, uh, and we, we got we to do something here, and I think the best thing we can do is to cook you up with Intel and their Intel Game Dev program. How does that sound? I'm a danger to me and myself and all those around me. <laughs> 
And, and and really, that could be a benefit in making games. I don't know. You know who does know? <laughs> I know. Explosive personalities. Yeah. yeah, they might be able to say, hey, here's how we can channel all of this destructive personality into making really great video games. They have the resources to help people with innovative ideas, uh, and they want to make a, a, help you make your innovative ideas into really great games. Um, again, that URL is software.intel.com slash gamedev. Mike, are you going to check it out? Uh, no, but other people should, because I, I don't want to be a game dev. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not smart enough. I can't do it. And we're back. Uh, okay, Mike. Like we said last segment, E3 is coming up real soon. Like very soon. One month away. Uh, and we are going to move on by talking about Microsoft uh, and kind of what they're going to be doing with their presence. We've already talked about a lot of the publishers. I realize we haven't talked about Square Enix and they do something, but we'll figure out. We'll, we'll slot them in later. Um, so Microsoft at E3 this year, we are going to expect a lot of Project Scorpio. Uh, that's their next iterative system. Uh, and I think they're going to have to have a lot of games to prove that. But I, do you, are you starting to get the sensation that maybe they won't? Like maybe they won't have the well, games to back this up? Because the problem is what games would there be? Like so, to look at this, I kind of just like like the Wikipedia of the company, so I can kind of like an idea of like okay, what kind of like franchises they work on. Like Microsoft just does not have many first party studios. They have three, four, three industries, which is Halo. We you know is it are we gonna have Halo Six already? Would people even really care that much about Halo? I mean, some people would care, but is it gonna really generate that much excitement? Especially when Halo Five seemed to kind of be. Mostly considered a, a down point for the series. People weren't as much into it. There's them. Then there's Turn 10 Studios, which is Forza. We can, okay, well, we know another Forza's coming. You have Rare, Sea of Thieves. So, you know, we'll show off Sea of Thieves again. That's fine. Then you have the Coalition, which is uh, the Gears of War people. The Coalition, I mean. So, that's it for first party. There's Mojang. They make Minecraft, but they have to make that for everybody. So, mm -hmm. unless some second party people kind of come up right uh, and that's like that's where a lot of their either quote-unquote exclusives come up from is like weird things like that or just third-party exclusives even but yeah it's like what 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 could it possibly be right what what could possibly be the this is the game that you you, you know it's a big game is coming out and you're gonna want it on scorpio like is the product scorpio presentation going to be like hey look here's call of duty running on both things or you know destiny 2 or all these games that are going to be on both systems anyways. Yeah, I mean, it can't just be like something that milk toast, right? It's got to be something, they have to have something to stand out. And it can't just be something, it feels like it has to be multiple things that that jump out and say, wow, this is new and different, uh, that really can ca catch headlines uh, and people's attention and draw people away from, from what they're going to see from Sony and Nintendo. Um, and I right. just and don't, don't forget Sony and no spoilers alerts or anything, but Sony's going to have Last of Us Two in a big way at their show, and it, it, you know, very likely to be a showstopper. What is Microsoft going to counter that with? Right, and and I mean, <laughs> you know, this is an unverified rumor, but I'm, I'm I've been hearing kind of repeatedly from people who seem like they might know that it Microsoft might have a disappointing show, and it's just like. What does that even look like? Are they really just going to do Forza and Halo again? Like, they can't, right? They just, I, in my mind, they can't do that. You can't come up on that stage and be like, "We're ser we're serious about games. Here's more of the same thing we've been doing for the last three or four years." Right. You can't come. You can't be in the second place position or third place position even 
yeah, come out that weekly. Like, you know, Project Scorpio, that's great and all that, but they had to have, as they were thinking about this, think, hey, we need some some games with this thing, some exclusives or something or another, right? Even if it's like what they did with Tomb Raider, right? Where they basically just like had it for a year, so it was right. practically an exclusive. Just something like that. I mean, Tomb Raider was a big game for them last year because it was, you know, something. And then, and then like a lot of the things even recently that like we kind of had hope for, like ReCore, that kind of came and eh, wasn't much. So, Did you, and then they canceled... They canceled that Dragon game from Platinum Games. Right. They don't have that. Yeah. We haven't heard about Crackdown Three for maybe Crackdown Three finally has to show by like by pro, you know by default now. It's like okay, Crackdown Three has to happen for sure. <laughs> I, I, Crackdown Three is going to happen. It'll be there. Um, but that's not like you're right. Like, the, Do like people care about happen- Crackdown Three? I think that some people definitely still care about Crackdown Three, especially if Microsoft can have. This is a showcase item for their cloud. I, I know a lot of people are very s- skeptical of the cloud still, but I'm one of those people who still believes that if you put it up on stage and show it doing something truly unique and it, something that can only happen because of cloud computing, that could win a lot of people over. Uh, but beyond that, what what are the games that they have? Um, like Crackdown 3 is great, but it's not enough. So... I think they're probably going to end up going with a third-party route where they just try to have something on the stage and they say, "Look how much better! Look how much better it looks on the Scorpio than it does on the old Xbox One." And I just don't know if that really—that doesn't really work in the modern version of E3. No, they, they have to have some some interesting parties coming in from somewhere, right? Kind of like how like Sony like is working with Kojima Productions or something like that, where you have right. some—I don't know what it's like. It always kind of like. Except, you know, better, like, when they were working with uh, the Final Fantasy guy in, like, Lost Odyssey and Blue Dragon and stuff like that. Uh, something like that. I don't know. Like, and, like and what do we know that they're going to have? They're going to have Crackdown 3, and that'll pro- that'll be fine. That's a good thing to have at E3. Yeah. So have it, that for sure. You'll, you'll have Sea of Thieves for sure. And then that's That was there yeah. last year. It's neat. Uh, I don't know if people are excited. But there were some people who were excited about it, but not, you know, a whole lot. Then, like, what else? Forza 6, okay, or whatever one they're on now. 7? I don't know. Yep. Yeah, I I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a weird one. I, I know that Phil Spencer has said that they are going to invest more with first-party money. Uh, and, and does that come across as, as purchasing the rights to third-party exclusives? Uh, I, I don't know. Like, what's out there that they could really go out and grab? It just doesn't seem like, I don't know. It, I don't know who is going – like, it's not going to be a very affordable thing to do. It's going to cost a lot of money. And in the past, like, they, they were only willing to spend enough money to get, like, Tomb Raider for a, a year. And, you know, maybe they maybe they do do something like that again. But they're not going to do that, like, three or four times. It's going to be, like, one other game that they do that with. Right. So, I don't yeah, know. The I, I, I is Because they, they've always had this problem, right? And it seems like they somehow – avoided it for a while but like now mm-hmm. like first off fables off the table right like that was one one of them that's gone right uh like gears of war just happened even that didn't seem to set the world on fire people were kind of a little lukewarm to that then you know even halo that already just happened and again people people were kind of lukewarm to that uh well like what yeah what the hell do you do I think one of the problems is like, what games does Microsoft have in their past that you would be like, oh man, there's a chance it could come back at E3, and I really hope to see it there. Like, there's a couple, like Crimson Skies, like maybe, like maybe oh, that's on that. Would like that. Yeah, there's a lot of people like, I think that would. There's not a ton, Mech Warrior. but there are. Yeah, Mech Warrior, I guess. Like, there's a couple of them here and there. 
but it's not on it's not like what Sony and Nintendo have. Like Nintendo's got like a million that I could think of where I'm like, oh yeah, F Zero and Advanced Wars and a bunch of others like where I'm like, How is the Xbox really- brand this old and it doesn't have more things to fall on? Yeah, it, it's I think they just knew they did what worked. They did their Halo, they did their Forza, they did their Gears of War, and they stuck with those and, and never stopped making them. Um so they're they're kind of in this thing where like they only and, took the cream of the crop and they just re- re- replicated that over and over and, and now there's n- nothing really to draw ba- draw on from their past. You know what? It, it worked out kind of okay for the first few years of this generation cycle because Sony didn't really have very many interesting first party games at first either. No, right? it was like oh yeah, it was like Infamous and like a Knack. It was like okay, whatever. But now that like you had the Uncharted come out, you even have this like weird stuff like Near. Uh, you. You know, you have Neo, Neo Persona. Like, yeah, you're starting mm-hmm. to see. Like, I, I used to always. People would ask me a lot. And I think you get this question all the time too. They're like, "Wait, which system's better, Xbox One or PlayStation 4? And I would always tell them they're basically the same. Just I don't know, whatever and you they, want. They were like they, until the, until the beginning that, of this year. They were. And that now, now all of a sudden people ask me. I was like, get a PlayStation 4 because it has more games and it has yeah, like, a I, lot of really good games that you can't play on the Xbox One. And it just seems like, like at the unless beginning you really of this... like racing games specifically, yeah. you want Forza. <laughs> yeah, and, and Forza's great. Forza's the both Forza games are really awesome games. Oh, they're very good. But, yeah, but like at the beginning of this generation, it just seems like Sony's like, hey, the PlayStation Four is selling better than we realized. Uh, let's invest in making games right this right this second and get them out as soon as possible. And it turned out that as soon as possible was early 2017. Um, but Microsoft just didn't do that, and they were they're trying to skate by. Mostly on, on they're coasting on what they did with the Xbox 360 and saying like people like playing third party games on our system because of Xbox Live and that's just not the case anymore. People are okay playing games elsewhere, uh, and it's it's just really come to bite them in a, in a harsh way. Uh, that I hope that they find a way to correct at this year's E3, but I, I'm just I think you and I are both not confident that that's going to happen. No, we're kind of a doom and gloom outcast on us, and I hope they surprise us, but. I think they're yeah. going to devote a lot of time to the Scorpio because they may not have a lot of games to talk about. And I think you're going yeah. to see things like Gears of War 4, like be like kind of like, you know, to be fair, like they would show Uncharted 4 a lot, right? Like, hey, look how this looks better on the PlayStation 4 Pro. I think it's going to be kind of like that with that game. Like, look, it looks better. Um, yeah. But, oh, man. But, Hopefully but, there's an Ori 2. I'd like that. Give me Ori. I don't know if that's going to Go help ahead. them. Yeah, no, I, you'll be happy, but you know that, that's like the thing. It. They just kind of they need to find the pockets of fans that have these uh, attachments to to games and and serve them exactly what they want. Like it is what Sony did. And I don't know. It's I'll tell you what, if they like somehow had, like done. an ex an exclusive on like Nice Old Republic three that would help. But there's no way Star Wars games going console exclusive anymore. No, not not these days. It'd be way too expensive. Um, yeah. yeah. So I think yeah. I, we're kind of at a loss here. It's I, I'm if we were to say something more definitive, I just think it would be Microsoft's in, in a grave danger of disappointing a lot of people, despite how amazing the Project Scorpio might be. It's like kind of no matter what that system really is. I, I mean, the one thing they could do is say, hey, it is also four hundred dollars. Uh, so it's way more powerful than the PlayStation Four Pro, and it's the same price. Like that, that that's going to be the kind of thing that gets people excited and it is a, a headline grabbing thing. Uh, but it's going to be the games that people are still going to be, care about more in the end. And I just don't, that's, yeah, I don't know. That's not, doesn't feel like that's going to happen. 
So, yeah. Okay, so we're going to come back in the next couple of weeks. We're going to be talking about Nintendo and Sony and what they have. We'll do a wrap-up show before E3, and then we're going to be in E3. And, Mike, we should start figuring out what we're going to do with the podcast during that week. So we'll, me and Mike will talk about that over over the next couple of days. And Can't we just do what, it like, our, our heroes and forebears didn't just get drunk by a pool and record? Or is those I think that pool's gone? actually... I think that pool's gone. actually closed this year, but uh, yeah, we can still get we can get drunk like in an alley or something. I don't know. <laughs> an right, alley? Mike. Oh, cool. <laughs> hey, hey, come be on our show. Come be on our podcast. Where is it? It's in the alley, and yeah, we're gonna get all the big get, biggest guests. I feel like there's a couple of people in the industry, like David Jaffe, would come talk to a, a po- people on a podcast in an alley, like David Jaffe, and maybe like uh, I don't know. There's a couple others. I don't know, man. Cliff, Cliffy B. We, we we said things about drawn to life. <laughs> That's true, but everyone said that he's drawn to life at this point. So, see, he's, he's got, just got to be stewing somewhere. He's just yeah. furious <laughs> in an he's alley. Taking, like, yeah, right. He's not taking that yeah. leg down. Can't be. Yeah, no here. way. Oh god, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure he's got some choice quotes about about Has he not critics. Said anything? Critics, I don't know. they don't get it. Yeah, this is for the fans. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's always your big, like, I remember when Steven Spielberg said that about Indiana Jones 4, like from an onset video. I was like, oh, no. Uh Uh-huh. And, like, the the, the Iron Fist actor said that, like, when critics started coming out and really hating the show, he's like, well, it's for the fans. And then finally fans saw it, and they're like, no, this the show fucking sucks. This is terrible. It's the worst show Marvel's ever done. But, yeah, okay. Yeah, they dropped the ball. Okay, so I think we're going to wrap it up. Mike, before we go, tell everyone where they can find you. God, Penny. I'm at home yelling at my loud dog every day is where you can find me. I'm on I'm Tokoto <laughs> on Twitter, T-O-L-K-O-T-O. I also do the Exploding Barrel podcast with my brother. You can check that out on all your podcast things. She always saves the barks for the, the end of the show, which is pretty Oh, she has, right? So she's good for a while. She's like, I think I see something. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> And I'm Jeff Grubb on Twitter. Uh, I'm Jeff Grubb on Twitter. <laughs> There's a question mark after my thing. So yeah, I think that's, that's how I'm after that say. in there. Yeah. yeah, that's okay. That's pretty good. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm Jeff Grubb, and I'm also on YouTube. <laughs> I'm Ron Burgundy. Uh, I'm Ron Burgundy. Uh, YouTube.com/slash Jeffrey Grubb. Uh, I do some videos there. Uh, find them, watch them, enjoy them. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening, guys. See you then. Bye.